So you, you're going to come to Alaska and you're going to win 10 people, right, you know, in this summer. And then you get to the process and you're like, ooh, there's more to this than I thought. And that's even more true when you're trying to disciple people. And so, but you have to, you have to break it down. And it, Jesus said, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Okay, he wasn't talking about, like, I'm going halibut fishing tomorrow. Okay, I may catch a halibut, I may not. I'm out there for the experience, right? So, but men and women who make a living and pay their mortgage from fishing. That's what Jesus was talking about because these were commercial fishermen, right? So he said, you catch fish for a living, I'm going to teach you how to catch men for a living. And people who catch fish for a living, they don't guess whether or not they're going to catch fish. They know they're going to catch fish. Okay. And so as a minister of the gospel, you've got to know that I can go catch fish. You've got to develop that skill. And the same thing with farming. He was, he's, you know, he wasn't talking about growing tomatoes on your back porch. And if they grow, fine. If they don't, you know, you just go to the store and buy some. You know, no, he's talking about people who make a living and pay their car note by farming. Okay, so you've got to learn how to farm. You've got to learn how to fish predictable way. Okay. And you'll always be secure in the ministry if you know how to win souls. The reason why preachers get in fights with their neighbor is because when, they, when somebody moves from their church, there's money involved in that. And they don't know how to get more. Right? But if you know how to go get more fish, you're not as insecure. But if you don't know how to get fish, then you try to keep all the fish you got. Right? Because you don't know how to get more. And so you got to learn how to fish. So it's the most important skill you can learn in the ministry. You will learn it one day. Or you will be unsuccessful your entire ministry. If you don't learn how to be a soul winner and to teach others to be soul winners, you will struggle your entire ministry. Okay? So you've got to learn this process. And this is a good time. Okay, and it takes trial and error, and it's good that you learn it. And a lot of people wait, a lot of home missionaries wait until they plant their first church to learn how to be a soul winner. And then they spend five years struggling because what they're actually trying, they're not really winning souls, they're learning how to win souls. And then in year six, seven, eight, they start winning some souls, but by now they're so tired and burned out, you know. So it's better that you know that going in so let's just you you go into x city uh in alaska i'm going to start from there now you're go, you got to realize when you understand the solar process you you you're not going to be hugely successful this summer winning souls okay i hate to tell you that okay but you're not because you don't have enough time it takes time it's like saying I got to grow this tomato in six weeks. Well, it may take eight weeks for a tomato to grow. Well, you can't rush it. And there's parts of the soul winning process you can't rush. Okay. So you've got to meet somebody, right? And so there's various ways to meet people. 
and you, you're going to try a bunch of them. You're going to probably try surveys. You're going to try door knocking. You should be trying Facebook in the community. You should try any way to make connections with people. And that's going to vary widely depending on your personality. Okay. And your, I mean, even your ethnicity sometimes, the language you speak. If you don't speak Spanish, you're probably not going to meet be able to witness to a lot of Spanish people. However, if you do speak Spanish, you have a unique ability to reach somebody who's speaking Spanish, okay? And and we're not dealing, we're dealing with people's prejudices, okay, because they're unregenerate, right? So I started a church in inner city Detroit. The neighborhood's 83% black, okay? So I had some challenges. Some people wouldn't come because I was white. Other people would, you know, you're just going to have that so some people it was a call it was a great advantage me being white they a a white person wanted to talk to them and that made it interesting for them so it was an open door other people you know so whatever stick you've got okay you know i mean if you don't try to be like anybody else be like yourself you got to make a connection and then you got to realize at the end this process the need I'm going to compare it to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, okay? And that's exactly the allegory that you should be thinking of in your mind when you're trying to win souls. This person's in bondage to the devil in the world. I'm Moses. I'm trying to lead him, lead them out, okay? And so uh, you have to recognize that people are lost. Now, that may sound simplistic. But the need for deliverance must be recognized by you. Moses had to come to the place where he said, these people are in bondage. Even though he was living in the palace, he wasn't feeling the effects of it. It came into his heart, the book of Acts says, that his people needed deliverance. So you've got to have a sense that people need to be saved. Now, for years I didn't have that. Even after Bible college, even when I was in the ministry, I, I knew it intellectually, but I didn't feel it emotionally. I didn't see people as lost. And so you've got to start seeing people as lost, okay? That'll help you get over a lot of fear, okay? Uh, you, there's fear and, and fear of rejection stuff, but when you recognize people are lost, it's like going into a burning house, Okay? Uh, yeah, there's fire, but this person's about to die. I, I got it. You know, it, you, you find the strength somewhere, okay? And the courage because it's circumstances demand it, okay? So when you come into your city, you go back home, I mean, people are lost. So who cares if you're scared? Who cares if you're nervous? People are lost. Get a track, get a flyer, and go see if you can find somebody. Okay, because they're lost. And, and you can't do this out of guilt. You cannot do this out of guilt. You may do it for a little while out of guilt, but you've got to do it out of love at some point. Love for people. You don't want to see them lost. And that's the number one motivating factor. Okay, you, you need to pray for your city that you're in this summer. And if you're dreading getting up and dreading going out and doing it because pray and say, God, help me see them the way you see them. Help me see them as lost. 
help me see that I'm helping drowning people, not as I'm trying to sell them Amway. You know, sometimes you go out there, you feel like you're trying to sell them, you know, a vacuum cleaner. You're not trying to sell them a vacuum cleaner. You're trying to save their soul. And so you keep reminding yourself of that. You, and, and that's why you're there. And that gives you the courage. Okay. Uh, now, you can't win a soul if they don't think they're in bondage. Okay. If they think everything's going good, everything's cool. You're not going to win them to the Lord. So they they have to recognize their need for deliverance. Okay, and so you're talking to somebody. If everything's cool with them, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I go to so and so church. Everything's cool. You know, oh it's great to see. You know, or if they're just like don't want to talk to you. You know, move along. You'll never get them out of Egypt because. You're looking for hungry people. You're looking for people that are like, yeah, I'm sick of this. Yeah, you got something better. You know, and the people don't like to say that, okay? People don't like to admit they're lost. Okay, so you're not going to come into very many people and they say, yeah, I'm lost. Because they equate being lost with being stupid. Right? Okay. People don't want to come up to you and say, yeah, my life's out of control. I don't know where it's going. I, I, I'm just running around in circles, and I'm in a lot of pain. You know, people just, but at the same time, they stop and listen to you. Think about the last time you got lost. Okay, think about getting lost. What's the first thing you try to do? Sometimes you speed up. Okay, because you're, 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 you're looking for a landmark. And subconsciously you speed up and you start looking around for anything that can tell you where you're at. The last thing you want to do is stop and ask for directions, especially if you're a man, okay? We're in the days of GPS, but imagine your GPS is not working, okay? And so how would you find your way? So if you finally realize you're so lost, you can't figure it out, you've gone around in circles, you've wasted time, you go into the grocery store and you try to look for a map, the convenience store there. You're looking for a map. If you can't find a map, then you ask the person behind the counter. But that's a last resort, right? Because you basically are going up to the girl and saying, you know, I'm so stupid. I didn't plan my route correctly and I failed the plan, and I don't know where I'm at, and I need help. Okay, nobody likes to do that. So we do it in more subtle ways, and it's even more severe when people's life is lost. You know, so they may not, but they may stop and talk to you. The very fact they're stopping and talking to you may be an indication they're looking for directions in their life, and you may have something. And so they take your flyer, and it's a sign. They just slow down and talk to you. People who know know where they're going, got it all together, they just get flying right on by. That's okay. You're looking for the person who has been praying for God to do something in their life. Okay? And then, of course, with Moses, Moses, when he was 40, he decided to go deliver him. He tried to do it himself, right? And... He killed the Egyptian. 
and then he had to flee because there has to be a preparation in your heart. Okay, God's going to prepare your heart. This summer is part of God preparing your heart to be a deliverer of people. You're getting exposed to something here. Okay, you're, you're getting exposed to what it means to get the gospel out into the street. Okay, and it, it's, it's going to transform your life. Okay, and so God's got stuff to work out of all of us. He had stuff to uh, work out of Moses. So he prepares Moses, and then Moses goes back to the children of Israel, and he, uh, God begins to do miracles, right? Because that person has to trust you to give them directions, right? Because they're not going to just... If you act like you don't know what you're doing, right? And you, well, uh, I think you may go up here and turn left. No, no, turn right. No, no, it's left, I think. And then you go a mile. I don't know. It's like three or four miles. You know what? They just turned you off because... They're like they can't. This person can't give me direction. So, there, there's a trust factor. This is this is the biggest thing that you're going to face this summer. You don't have time to build trust with people, okay? Because you don't have time to make that connection. When you're back in your a locale that you're going to be there for a while, you can build that trust, okay? And so you have to just ask God to help you this summer. God help me lead me to people that are so ready. You know, if you're about to die and you need food, you you're going to you're more open to trust people, right? I mean, get come on, let's yeah, I'll take it, whatever, you know. And so you're going to miss summer, you're going to have to reach very hungry, desperate people, okay? Because you don't have time to build that relationship, to build that trust. And it takes some time and, and there, as I mentioned this morning, there has to be some uh, miracles happen. Some God has to speak to them. God needs to uh, talk to them. That's why maybe this summer you should be out there asking people if you can help pray, help them pray about something. Okay, that's one of the techniques I would use. Is say you know if if you get a conversation, well, and it's about the end. Maybe they don't want a Bible study or well, there's something I could pray with you about a specific need. Okay, and then. Uh, if they give you that specific need, write it down. Tell them you're going to pray about it. Ask them if they have any contact information, if there's any way you, to follow up on this need to see how God has done. Well, when God, if you pray for somebody to get a new car, you know, because they lost their transportation, and three days later you call them back and they say, you won't believe this, I got a new car. You say, wow, isn't God great? Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great connection you know and then you can always have a a, a a target that you're bringing them to say you know we have church on sunday morning would we'd love for you to come you know uh invite them somewhere or something have an invitation for them whether it's uh asking them to do a bible study or whether it's asking them to come to church you're this summer because you're in short term. You really want to connect them to that church because you're going to be leaving. So if they're just connected to you with a one-hour Bible study and then it's over, then you leave. You need to get them to church some way. Okay. Uh, 
one thing I would think about doing is having a community Bible study at the church, say at 7 o'clock. And then that way you can invite everybody. So, you know, we do a community Bible study at 7 on Thursday. And you know what? In, in, your, in your case, they say, oh, I work on Thursday. So what, what Tuesday work? We have one on Tuesday too, <laughs> right? Because you could just make one up right there, right? And you bring three or four people together and so say, we're going to do this Bible study. See what I'm saying? Okay, and so you got to bring them somewhere. Um, and, and, and they begin to trust you. And, and, you, and, and they've got to trust somebody in that church. So you want to get them connected to that church. And so then you've got to understand that the word converts a soul. All right, so you've got to get the word in them. Uh, there's, a, there's a popular method of outreach today called the heaven or hell method. Okay, you ever heard of it? Okay, uh, the method goes like this. You meet somebody on the street, say, hi, my name Scott. What's your name? Brandon. Brandon, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Heaven, yeah. I do too, Brandon. And if there was anything that was keeping you from going to heaven today, wouldn't you want to fix that? Okay. Have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name? Okay, let's say no. Oh. <laughs> so, say, okay, you've never been baptized at all? No. Well, you know, the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, do you know that if you're not baptized, you won't go to heaven? Yeah. Do you want to go to heaven? Would you like to be baptized right now today? Okay. And so then you take them and baptize them. Okay. That's a, that's a direct uh, a, approach. Okay. However, most people don't make life-changing decisions like that. Okay. Uh, educated, college-educated people don't know you from Adam. They're not, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, okay, no, I, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm, I'm not interested, okay? So what mainly you get with that is people that are on drugs, homeless, okay, that works on them because they make decisions like that every day, okay? And they, they don't, you know, they're not thinking, processing. Uh, I, I, I don't think that approach is very productive over the long term. I think you wind up baptizing people who haven't really made a conscious decision and they haven't repented because faith is faith is necessary. Faith combined with you being dunked in water makes it effective. You can't baptize somebody who's knocked out uh, and baptize them in Jesus' name and it be effective. Okay, we're not Catholic. Okay, Catholics sprinkle babies. You know, they you don't care. We you have to have faith. So you've got to understand that a person has to believe, not just say they believe. We don't believe you can just say, I believe Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be saved. We don't believe that is faith. Now, it necessitates a confession. You have to say that or say, Lord, I believe you. Or I can, Jesus, baptism is a confession that you believe in Jesus, right? Okay, but we have to be obedient to the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. So, you, your job is to build faith in people. That's why you're teaching them a Bible study. is so uh, that they first must believe that God is, right? 
don't teach a person baptism in Jesus' name if they don't believe there's a God. So you assess where they're at in their faith. Do they believe there are God, there's a God? Great. Do you believe the Bible is God's word? Yes. Sometimes you, if they say no, then you start there. The Bible is God's word. Let's, talk, let's do that. That's lesson one. Search for truth. That's lesson one. Uh, uh, exploring God's word. Okay, you, so you have to... Sometimes they, you run into people who believe in God. They believe in the Bible. Now you can move on uh, do, to other things. Okay, what, do you, what does the Bible say about being born again? That's just where the one-hour Bible studies can come in and be good. Because it... it to teach a one-hour Bible study, a person already needs to believe in God. They already need to believe the Bible is the Word of God. All you're trying to do is show them from the Bible, which they already believe, what they're supposed to do to be saved. Okay? And so you, you've got to understand the process of faith. And you don't want to just get people dunked under. There, there's a concept out there of soul winning that... Once you get somebody baptized and they speak in tongues, you've won a soul. Okay. Well, uh, there's more to it than that. This person has to be implanted in a church. They have to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're not out there trying to put notches in our belt on winning a soul. Sometimes it takes a lot of people to win a soul. Okay, this summer, you may not personally lay hands on anybody and then receive the Holy Ghost. But you may have got the ball rolling and started. You may have planted and watered. Somebody else sees the increase of what you're doing. Okay, so we work together as a church to do that. So it takes the pressure off you if you recognize I've got a role to play here. Okay, I've got a role to play here. And so there's going to be people come to church after you leave and go back to Bible school because of flyers you passed out and because of cards you gave tracks you gave. There's going to be people that uh, heard about what you were doing through a friend and then they said, and they're going to say, well, you know what, I think I may want to go to that church. So you have to have confidence in that, knowing uh, that's what gives you motivation every day, is knowing that this seed is going to come up. And so uh, you've got to understand that faith is in stages, okay? Faith comes in stages. The first stage of a person's faith is they may come to church with you. So that's to be celebrated, okay? That's faith, all right? Uh, they may repent of their sins. That's to be celebrated, okay? That's an awesome thing, you know? Of course, they're going to eventually uh, be baptized and receive uh, the Holy Ghost, but there, there's going to be some interim steps to that on the way. Learn to celebrate that. Recognize that. The first step of faith is they said yes to a Bible study. The second step of faith is they showed up for the Bible study. The third step is they come back again. Okay, and this is all faith. Then they visited church. Okay, this is all part of the process and you have to celebrate it along the way. And everybody's different. Okay. Um, so there, and in the children of Israel, what happened with Moses? They didn't believe him at first. They said, leave us alone, Moses. But they were in bondage. Realize that people are in bondage. They're not having fun. They're having fun temporarily. But that fun's going to run out. Okay, There's going to be a day in their life 
when it, uh, the gospel sounds good to them. There's going to be a day in their life when the gospel sounds good to them. Okay, Don't be intimidated by what you see. Don't be intimidated by the prodigal son. Okay, the prodigal son was just as lost the moment he had those money bags in his hand and he stepped over the threshold of his dad's house. He was lost. Now, at that point, if you had stopped him and said, you're lost, he'd have said, really? If this is lost, I'm loving it. Okay, I'll stay lost because he had all his money. He had all his friends. He had everything. Don't you ever be intimidated by that. People are still lost, no matter if they seem to, they're just what stage they're at. It's easy to see people as lost when they're in the pig pen, but they're just as lost when they got the money bags and, and they're still lost. And so you have to understand that. See, this, is, this will affect your actions. You know, you, you'll end the day. And a friend of mine was uh, uh, knocking doors in a neighborhood, and he said, he come up to a guy he was standing in front of his five hundred thousand dollar house washing his bmw you know and my friend says hi my name is and i'm with life church and uh we're just in the neighborhood today uh trying to meet our neighbors and just wanted to see if there's anything that we can pray with you about uh and we're just wanting to uh, connect with people in the neighborhood and so he says well guys washing his car he said hmm he said, he thought, he said, no, I really don't need anything. <laughs> and in his mind, he had every, he's got his half a million dollar house. He's got his, and if you're not careful, you'll walk away from there going, oh man, he really doesn't need anything. You know, no, you walk away from there saying, you know what, there's going to come. He's not ready yet. He's not ready yet, but he's going to be ready. Okay. And. And you go to the next house and you knock on their door and you say, because you're looking for the people who are ready. Okay. And, and so, uh, and, and with Moses, they, they had to, uh, sometimes God has to work on people. Uh, he, he let the Egyptians double their load, right? With no straw and all of that. So people have to have a tougher time. And then God began to do miracles and connected Moses with them. God's going to do miracles with you, okay? I'm telling you, you've got to look for it. You say, God, you've got to lead me to somebody today. You should be praying while you're out there. There's a man in the church in Ann Arbor, the first church I started. He's on the board today. But we were down in downtown Ann Arbor passing out track. Now, Ann Arbor, 51% of the people have a master's degree or higher, okay? Most educated city in the world, 89% have a four-year degree and they're wealthy and they have no need of nothing and so we're out there passing out tracks people going hand it back to you you know just duck, ducking you and they, one lady says holy ghost i certainly don't want to know anything about any holy ghost and put it back you know i mean it was just a tough crowd but uh, brother jones was walking down the road and the lord had him look across there and said the guy in the purple shorts and brother jones looked over there and said, uh, Thomas was walking on the other side of the street, purple shirts. God said, go hand him a track. And Brian was like, well, that may, must be just me. And he kept walking, and God said, I said, go hand the guy in the purple shorts a track. And so he, he walked back. He crossed four lanes of traffic downtown Ann Arbor, tracked the guy down, and, said, and, and handed him a track. And it was, his name was Thomas. He was from Kenya. 
and he took the track. He had started a conversation with Brother Jones. He had just got over here, and uh, he's on our board today. Okay, so you look for that. God's using you to deliver somebody. Okay, and so, of course, then they have to follow you because you're leading them to salvation, baptized in the cloud and in the sea, right? And so, uh, lost people... You want to know, you want to get good. And let's get back to this concept of lostness. Lost people don't want to ask for directions. Okay, uh, they look for directions without trying to let you know. Okay, and then also they want clear instructions. Okay, uh, you've got to get skilled at giving people clear instructions about how to be saved. And that will take you some time to practice on it. Good Bible study I like for just giving people how to be saved is uh, into his marvelous light. Uh, I like that when he mentioned Pentecostal experience. That's a good one. Uh, but you're going to have to figure out how to articulate that. And that's where you need to, the training and the study. and You need to role play with one another. Okay, teaching uh, Bible study, you, you get better at it with time, all right, and and you you can you can do that because people are looking. Uh, also, sometimes uh, attract something they can read. Okay, uh, that's why this is age of the internet. Okay, and so uh, there's a lot of online tracks out there. There's information you can give them. But you've got to get a contact so you can follow up on them. But but this is a process. And when, you, when you're, you're wanting to become a soul winner, I'm going to recap and I'm going to stop and take some questions But if you have any. But when you, the important points of being a soul winner, one, you've got to love people. Okay, you've got to love people and see them as lost. Okay, and, and you're going to have to break through this timidness. And we all have it. I never went in this high school cafeteria for lunch by myself when I was in high school one time. I was too intimidated to go into the cafeteria without somebody there to sit with. Okay. And I had a friend, Hansel Stanley, and if he was there, I'd go there. Otherwise, I'd get in my car and I'd go to Dairy Queen for lunch. I wasn't supposed to leave campus, but I did. Uh... That was still true in Bible school. I was a little better in Bible school, but uh, I, I just was intimidated by people. Well, my love for people and my recognition that people are lost and I'm the only one here to reach out to them made me overcome that fear. Okay? And so you, you're going to have to just do it. This is good exercise for you. This is good practice for you. Pray God will give you courage, okay? Because you, and, and pray God will give you that love. You can't be motivated out of fear. Oh my God, if I don't win a soul, I'm going to go to hell. You know, that won't work, right? That won't work. But love will motivate you, okay? And it can't be about competition either. Guys, y'all can get in competition about how many tracks you passed out. And guys make everything a competition, okay? Everything's a competition with guys, you know, and who, 
who, who's more bold than the other one, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and, and that won't work over time. People will see, the lost person will see that you're just a number, they're just a number to you, and, and they sense your motivation is to impress your buddy instead of reach them. And I, as, as a church planner, this happens to me sometimes. I go out to eat with a preacher, and the preacher's wanting to show off his soul-winning skills, and so he starts pressuring the poor waitress. Okay? And he's talking to the waitress. Now, I don't mind witnessing the waitress. I've witnessed the waitresses. But you've got a captive audience there. Okay? She's working for you. She, she's working for a tip. She has to be nice to you. Okay, and so she's not, she's going to say, oh, really, huh, okay, yeah, oh, okay, hmm, interesting, ah, and, and people just keep pounding, and I'm like, Jesus, let the poor lady go back to the kitchen, you know, she doesn't want to be here, okay, it's one thing to say, hey, yeah, we're going, we're from Stockton, California, we're here on mission trips this year. We're working at the church down here. It's another thing. She says, really? Which church? Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, isn't that a Pentecostal church? Yeah, it is. Do you know anything about Pentecost? Uh, you know, if she's leading in the conversation, but if she's just standing there trying to get away from you, you know, let her go. You're not going to win her to the Lord that way. And it's all about you looking good in front of your friends instead of about her soul, okay? And some of these people I've sensed a need in before, and after the guy quit badgering her, as I walked back to the restroom or on the way back to the table, catch her and say, listen, here's a church card. There's the numbers of the pastor on it. If you need anything, this church will pray for you and help you. Okay, and that way she's got something in her pocket. She's got something she can keep, and there's a genuine connection. Okay, uh, because lost people are looking for clear directions, and they've got to trust who's given it to them. And uh, you have to become skillful in implanting the word. Okay, here's one of the. This is the last point I'll make for right now. It, Here's one thing you've got to understand is, is assess accurately where they are. For example, if you're going to give somebody directions, you got to know where they are first, right? Okay, so it, it, where's the starting point, you know? And so is this person Catholic? Were they raised Catholic? Were they raised Baptist? Were they raised nothing at all? Were they raised Muslim? Were they raised Hindu? Were they Native religion? What? Where are they coming from? Okay, that tells you where to start from. Now, this is something that's a, too broad a subject to cover today. But a Catholic doesn't know where Genesis is in the Bible. They say they believe the Bible, but they know nothing about the Bible. A Catholic has faith in the church, not faith in the Bible. So I know immediately if I'm talking to someone that's Catholic, it's going to be a long process to educate them about the Bible. Okay, number two, so if it's a Baptist evangelical from a mega church, okay, I know they already believe the Bible. They know where Genesis is. They may not read it very much, but they, and they, they know that they need to 
go to church and accept the Lord as their personal Savior. What they don't know is about the Holy Spirit. So that's a key thing to say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Okay, and how were you baptized? Okay, you can start there. Uh, it's a whole nother story uh, with a Muslim or somebody from a, another religion, okay, or atheist. It, but you got to know where to start. You don't start at baptism in Jesus' name with atheists, okay? You don't, you, you, you don't do it. So, that said, what are some things y'all are facing out in the field and maybe I could help you with? Maybe I can't, but maybe I could help you. So right now in Bethel, I work uh, as a cashier at like the only grocery store in town. And so I get to, I get everybody coming here and I can see all the places and I can just, um, be, get to see them and get to know them. But how how would you go about witnessing something while it's working? Because it's different than Yeah. Witnessing the co-workers is one thing, customers is another, right? Okay. So... Uh, you may have to check with your boss or whatever, but why not take a stack of church cards and put a church card in every bag? Okay. Uh, And then as you uh, strike up conversations with people, have some church cards there. You can't talk to them very long. Say, hey, I'm only in town for the summer, but we're working at this church. We'd love to have you come visit us. Have some exciting services there. Okay, and Brother Bear, everybody knows Brother Bad, Bradbury in Bethel. So just say, I'm at Dr. Bradbury's church. Come see us, you know, or uh, you got to figure, you got to find a way to give them some hard information. Just saying, come to church, and they don't know what church. They don't have an address. They don't have a phone number. So you're going to have to give them some hard information, maybe have some flyers printed up. You know, like I said, you may have to talk with your boss about that. Uh or you could flyer the parking lot as you leave, as you come in, go in early, flyer the parking lot. As you leave, flyer it again. Okay, there's there's creative things you can do there. And if it and you may save it for sincere conversations. Maybe you don't give everybody a card, but be prepared with the people that you do make a connection with and the people you've made a connection with three or four times that keep coming excuse me, back through your line, certainly make sure they get a card. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Y'all are all so tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, we're saying that we really haven't done that much outreach. We've done a lot of the green models and that that's it right now. Especially our pastor was preparing for cat because he was preaching. Yeah. So I know uh, with that, I know we haven't really had a I really, we haven't really gotten a chance to, uh, me and Noah are together. Yeah. So we really haven't had a chance to go out to the city to see how people react. But there's a, there's a few people that we came across. That we got to what city are you in? Wasilla. Wasilla, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you got you to gotta have a barn for the harvest, okay? So having a freshly remodeled church for people to come in, it's advertising, you know, just like passing out flyers is advertising people see new things going up on a building they're driving by every day that that's advertising as well and also when you invite people to have a, a clean space and things these are these are all contributing to it now you you should i guarantee if you ask the pastor after you've worked 
50 hours on his building if you can go out and pass out flyers he'll let you <laughs> okay so figure out a way to do it you know get on your computer make up a flyer be be resourceful you know and uh, allocate some time to it so I know I know like I know something that God really can deal with me especially is keep that happening you're talking about that Yes, they do. But see, some people don't believe that. See, that's the beginning of you being able to reach a successful businessman. A lot of people, they're, they're coming in contact with a millionaire. They're more in awe of a millionaire and what he has and what he possesses and his car and his house that they're, they're like, Man, he, he must have something I can to tell me. No, you have something to tell him because he's lost, right? And so you've got to understand that. Otherwise, you'll never win successful people if you think that they don't need the gospel for some reason. You know, you've you got to see they're no different than the homeless guy spiritually. They just can hide it better. They've got more tools to hide it, but they're lost. Yeah, well, if I meet somebody, one, you're not, there's a lot of lonely people in the world that just want to tell you their life story. I'm always trying to steer the conversation toward the Lord after a little while. You know, you got to meet people and get to know people and talk to people, and, and that's part of it. The uh, personal testimony, you probably studied it in college, the uh, before, how, and now, okay, and so you tell your testimony how it was before, what happened to your life, and now what, how you feel, you know, and, and you, you go from uh, friendship to work to church, you know, you, you, you step the conversation toward church, but you're there to talk to them about God, so you're going to, you're going to start off Oh, yeah, what you doing today? Isn't it a nice day out here? And then maybe talk to them about, oh, do you work? Where do you work? You know, how long have you been in the community? And you've got a natural leading. And I'm here from Stockton, California, a Bible school, you know. And now, yeah, we're here working at a church. And now you're in a conversation about God, okay? Do you go to church anywhere? Okay? And so if that conversation flourishes from there i may be there all day right if they want to know about the lord and they want to know about the word and they're open but if they're just wanting to talk about and they keep steering my conversation off of god and back toward other things you know then you you move along does that make sense okay uh, this, this is the question like this happened to me several times and i come to this point i think more frequently than often and it's coming to that already tender church 
Yeah. Who they just smile like, oh yeah, I already go to church. You just move on from that, even though you know, like that, like there's so much more you can get to them. Well, you try to go deeper. You know, what kind of church? How long you been going? Do you go regularly? You know, how has that church helped you? You know, and if they're all glowing about their church and everything that's going on, they may be on the journey toward it. I don't necessarily see it a necessity to confront them at that point. They may have been a drug addict, and now they're Baptists. They're coming, you know. So sometimes I, I, I do. I, it's a great, Paul used it. It's time proven. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I got, I, well, when, did you, when did you receive it? Oh, you know, when I got saved. I said, really, did you speak in tongues? Oh, no, no, we don't speak. Oh, okay. Well, you know, they did in the book of Acts. Now, they may shut the conversation down there, or they may let it go on. And you just try it, you know. You, it, it's a, they may say, oh, yeah, I don't believe in that. Well, you're never going to convince them there. And let, yeah, and so you say, well. You ought to read Acts 2, 8, 10, and 19. You know, it, it's there, you know. Well, you have a great day. You know, I mean, you, you never know unless you open it, and it, they may allow you to move on, you know, if, if they want. But that's a good way to talk to evangelicals. Yeah. If somebody's cutting you off, there's no way you're going to reach them, right? right? So they don't worry about those people. Right. Go to somebody else. Next, 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 next. There's there's somebody there. That's what you've got to keep in your mind. kids like to do you know what do they like to do think about what they like to do and plan an event this is what I call event outreach block party is event outreach okay you're gonna get kids and parents at a block party with blow-ups be creative you know young young guys video games you know so you could have a video game competition with prizes, okay, whatever, uh, you know, a concert, you know, uh, you got to you got to find out what they want, create an event, bring them to it, giveaways, okay, what do teens like to give a, give away, what would attract them, you know, uh, and of course that cre- that requires a budget, you know, 
But if you plan something well, the pastor may be willing to do that. You know, so if you have an event, a pizza party with basketball, games, whatever, and you're giving away one of these hoverboards, one of these little, you know, something that everybody wants, you know, or, you know, and then they have to sign up for it, okay, get their name, address, phone number, then you have a church service planned, okay, you you know how to reach kids, you know what, what would I go to, you know, plan something like that. Do a giveaway to sweeten the pot. Advertise it at the teen center. Maybe rent out the teen center. Okay. And then have a follow-up event at church. Okay. A follow-up event at church where you're talking about dating relationships or, you know, how to make friends or, you know, something kids are interested in, you know, and... And then that way you now you've had an event at the at a neutral place, the teen center. You've got names, addresses, phone numbers from the giveaway. You're having a follow-up event that moves them to the church. Okay. And now you're going to have a church service. They're going to feel some power of the Lord. Okay. And have pizza. Right. You know. And, and from that then you're going to make some hard connections and you may get four or five Bible studies out of that, okay? And so, and and then kids like to do things in groups. So say, well, we're going to have a group Bible study at such and such, you know, would you be interested in coming? And we're going to have food, you know, we're going to have something, you know, I mean, you got to, so that's how I would approach that. Because it is going to, it's very difficult to just walk up into the teen center and say, hi, my name's, you know, and uh, would you like a Bible study? They're like, what? You know, okay. So. Hmm? So, um, you mentioned, you mentioned talking about in our room with the high rate of education. Now, for, um, we see a lot of people in the college um, that really, um, there is a bigger We're perfectly set up for millennials because millennials are not impressed with uh, institutional religion. They're just like, we are not institutional religion. We are powerful, dynamic. We, we, millennials are very attracted to miracles, signs, wonders because they're looking for something real. Okay, they're not looking, they don't care about the, it's great because they, they could care less about a trinity, okay? And that doesn't appeal to them, you know. So they, they, they're looking for what we have, okay? They're looking, the reason they rejected religion is because it's the same old garbage that doesn't give them anything. It's false religion. And millennials smell the stink, Okay. And so they're like, uh-uh, I'm not going to be involved in that. And so, but when they come to your youth service, okay, and they actually feel something, they're like, yeah, you know. And so you can, you can connect with them on, on that level. 
says, well, you know, uh, and I actually even tell them, you know, well, we're outside the mainstream. You know, we, we, we believe different than, you know, find out their background. They reject something, you know. And, uh, but the, uh, the intellectual college student is going to examine this thing. It's going to take a while. If you're going to win somebody like that this summer, it's going to be because you made a connection with them and then you connected them to that church and they felt something there and you, they made a connection probably with the pastor and the pastor is going to carry on your Bible study that, because it takes a while to win somebody like that because they have to go through the Socratic method. They have to figure it all out. They're not going to take your word for it in a search for truth Bible study. They're going to listen to your search for truth Bible study. They're going to go home and Google it. They're going to read. They're going to see if what you were saying was true. And they're going to turn it around and look at it just like you would do, right? Just like you would do. And so that's okay because our doctrine can stand up to that. The doctrine of the Trinity can't. Okay? The doctrine of the Trinity can't stand up to that. But oneness apostolic doctrine can stand up to that. Bribing. Not in a way that, oh, just so for your glory, but say, you know what, to do anything you can to get them into the house of God. Say, you know what, hey, I'll get you out to get it out to Did Jesus feed them? Did he feed the 5,000? Yeah. Did he heal people? For what purpose? For the glory of the Lord. Okay, to get them to come. Okay, so. Uh, I don't call it bribing, <laughs> you know. I call it attracting, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I see nothing wrong with that at all. No, I wouldn't do it on an individual basis. Say, I'll give you a five-dollar gas card if you'll come to church, and I wouldn't do that. But I would do broad giveaways and, you know, attracting events. That's what you're, you're you're creating. What you're actually doing is creating a saw a reason for them to come to church other than come to church. Okay. So what you're doing is creating them. The only people are going to come who have some interest in church anyway. Okay. So you have a drawing for, you know, a ten dollar gas card. So that people don't have to come into church and say, "Well, I'm coming to church because I'm lost." So they're coming to church. You're giving them an excuse to come to church. Oh, I'm just coming for the gas card. Well, we know that's probably not true. Now, some people might be. But you're looking for that person out there. that, And maybe they did come for the gas card and they get something else. You know. So, uh, yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bribe people one-on-one to come to church. That only works on poor people anyway. Try that in an affluent community. Try that with college-educated people. Okay. It only works on a, on a certain class of people. And that's fine. You gotta, they, they need to be reached, but you've know, you got you to gotta be more refined than that. You've got to find out different, more ways of getting people the word in people other than just bribing them with things. Although... That's fair game. But you 
But could you say something like, let's go out to eat after church on Sunday? Sure. I, I buy many meals. I invite people to coffee all the time. But it's not to bribe them, it's to get to know them. Okay, that's a, that's a normal social interaction is to take somebody to lunch. Happens all the time. This is not, I'll buy you lunch if you come to church. It's, hey, why don't you come to church? I'd like to take you to dinner later. That's not bribing somebody. That's saying, I want to, that's a normal social interaction. I'd like to get to know you. Let's hit Starbucks, you know. I mean, we do that all the time, you know. And so that's just an invitation for a more intimate connection. Okay. Feeding people is great. I feed people all the time. We have a dinner every Tuesday night. Okay. I have donuts and coffee every Sunday. I take people to coffee. I take people to lunch. Food is a great way to get to know people. Okay, and it's a great way if you make a casual connection with somebody. Say, well, hey, maybe do you? There's a great little coffee shop up here. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Okay, what could what could be wrong with that? Everybody wants to know somebody interesting. These people are from Alaska. They've been shut up all winter. There's some young person from California that's interested in them. Sure, they'll go have a cup of coffee. Right. So do it. You know. Uh, Saldotna's got a great coffee shop. That little, it starts with a K. Kaladi's, oh, that's awesome, okay. Uh, I've been in there several times, you know, and and get, you know, you could even um, do something creative like, you know, go to the community center, put up, say, Bible studies at Kaladi's, okay, on free Bible study every Tuesday, there's got even got a community room there. It's, you can get the see what I know about Saldotna, and I've been here a week. Okay, I've been sort of scouting out places. Okay, that's what I would do. I would, and I would start a Bible study there. I would advertise it on Facebook. Okay, it, maybe even th- do a do a giveaway to get people there. We want to kick off a Bible study, you know, and 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 teach it. You could do that, and then somebody could keep that going after you leave. Okay, and uh, so there's, there's, you got to find a way to connect that you're comfortable with. And there's all, there's as many ways to connect with people. There's millions of ways to connect with people. Do something that you're comfortable with, that you believe in. It's very difficult for me to tell you, start a community, start a Bible study in that little coffee shop. Okay, you may not believe in that. I could do it because I believe in it. Okay, and I could be enthused about it. And you're going to be more effective when you're enthused about it. Okay, if you're just doing something. However, I did do the most effective thing I ever did at Soul Winning, just cold calling, was telemarketing back in the early 90s. Okay, I won 26 people to the Lord in one year through telemarketing. I would invite them to a community Bible study on Tuesday nights, and we would make about 300 phone calls every Monday and and we would just random out a phone book. I had several people doing it and we do only do 25 calls each. Okay, so I had about 10 people do 25 calls. It's 250 calls. Some day sometimes we'd get really excited and do more and we would get contacts and I won 26 people to the Lord that way. Uh, I tried it 
three or four years later in Ann Arbor didn't win anybody. So, I mean, it, and I wouldn't suggest telemarketing today, you know, but uh, you could maybe Facebook, you know, uh, start an event, start a group, you know, and, and you can even pay to boost that post. You know about all that, right? And, and see what happens, you know? Yeah, uh, things go in and out, you know. I mean, uh, f Facebook wasn't even thought of back then, you know, so. But it's fun. It's fishing. You know, fishing's fun because you're just trying stuff, right, to see what works. And look at it that way. Don't look at it as failure because something didn't work. Look at it just as a way, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Let's see, see who we can get coming in, okay? So, well, y'all need to go take a nap. Uh, <laughs> one more question? Do we have one more or no? If you don't, that's fine. Uh, look me up on Facebook, Scott Sistrunk. Reach out to me. I'll help you any way I can, okay? And if you got questions, message me. I'll be a resource for you. Okay? All right. Cool.